This Dharma Talk was presented at the Austin Zen Center in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit austinzencenter.org. Good morning. Not that you'd have noticed or could have recognized it, but um, a kind of background notion of my talks is a festival by Dogen Zenji, Jakuyo Yujinshu, which Kaz Tanahashi translates as Body and Mind Study of the Way. But then layered on top of that, which you might have noticed, is the seven factors of awakening. I've talked about mindfulness. This is what I think I've talked about. <laughs> It'd probably be marvelous if we went around the room and everybody could say <laughs> their version of what I've been talking about. <laughs> So here's my version. <laughs> Mindfulness, investigation, and started to talk about uh, virya, which stretches from effort, persistence, energy. Uh, and hopefully, Sashin uh, is a beautiful image in a poem, I think written by Dogen. The spring breeze uh, blows the peach blossom apart, petal by petal. The fogginess, the contraction of our state of being in the wind of the Dharma just falls apart and opens up. And I hope for you and myself that Sashin, with its rigorous demands, um, gives back in asking for that, gives back Spaciousness. If you think about that little poem I quoted yesterday, I don't take your words merely as words. Far from it. I listen to what makes you talk, whatever that is, and what makes me listen. There's a spaciousness in it. Oh, while you're talking, I'm thinking of my rebuttal. Or I'm thinking of what I'm going to say, because after all, I'm the most important thing. Um, Or I'm having my judgments and opinions about what you're saying. Deciding if I agree or disagree. No, rather than that, I'm listening to what makes you say it the tone of voice, the words, 
that seem to carry the most weight or significance in what you say. The way your body moves as you say some part of it. And the way emotions ripple across your face as what you're seeing stirs up some significant sensibility for you. And awareness offers us that kind of invitation. Hmm. Not so we can fix it, not so we can approve or disapprove, um, not so we can take the content and refine our understanding, uh, get the right understanding, but something more spacious. Almost like an act of appreciation. Like doing keenhing outside before the talk. And feel like crisp air, like empty sky. the dry leaves of autumn scattered around. What is it to just savor what's already here? in the seven factors of awakening. After mindfulness, investigation, and effort, the next two factors, they represent a kind of a turning. The last two factors are samadhi and panya, uh, concentration and wisdom, or insight. But in between, Turning is a kind of a joy, pity, it literally means mental, energetic joy. A pasadi, which means a kind of ease. There's something in us, the way in which we're endeavoring, struggling, persisting, all the things that make us talk, all the things that we declare about ourselves, about the world, about what should happen, what shouldn't happen, our responses to it, our anticipations. It's something in us uh, 
quiet. And we see it. Oh. Sometimes it's a marvel. You see something that you know you've done hundreds and hundreds of times. And you see it. And the marvel is, how come I never saw that before? Like that. I sort of knew that about myself, and I sort of didn't. I just see it now. In the suttas, it says, when such an event happens, often it hints at uh, the suffering that came with it, the struggle, the sense of tension, uh, the striving, the dramas, usually unpleasant, some of them pleasant, And sometimes um, there's a kind of a tender sadness. In one sutra it says, um, that's where the compassion comes in for practice. The tender sadness. Oh, and I, nor anybody else, needs to strive like that. Now it would be lovely if we could just you know, say, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, not to say it's a foolish, totally foolish notion, but just to say the workings of a human life don't avail themselves so easily of our finer notions. But as the workings of a human life arise, can we attend to them? Hmm. And I notice what makes me say it. I feel something of the momentum of that thought. I feel something of the, uh, the weight of that emotion. investigation. It's not to hover ready to pounce on yourself declaring what you're doing wrong or to pounce on anyone else what they're doing wrong.
It's more about savoring. Yes, after sitting here for several hours, it's a kind of a delight to get out and walk around the block. On a particularly quiet morning, There seems to be almost mysterious uh, relationship between the intensity of our struggling and then those moments of relief. And sometimes we can invite them. Like to think of, you know, the break after meals, to think of what kind of involvement in those moments would offer a certain kind of nourishment. A certain kind of ease. Sometimes there's a um, there's an image in Zen with this is it's called going down into the dragon's cave. It's like as you sit zazen and the usual structures of your mind they create a certain kind of consciousness they start to come apart and it feels like you're entering into the unknown and sometimes it feels like you're going down in one of the verses to one of the cons it says how many times do I have to venture down into the dragon's cave? That state of amorphous consciousness where it's, it's hard to fathom just what's going on. But if you stay with it, even when you stand up to do tinhin, usually there's glimmers, or sometimes more than glimmers, of joy. Maybe sometimes it's spurred by the relief of getting to uncross your sore legs. that joy um, 
It has the flavor of celebration. And the celebration of pity inclines us towards the savoring, the ease of Poseidon. Now, it would be lovely if it just came at you by the truckload. Not to say it won't. Uh, Now, let me tell you, when it does, it's lovely. Uh, Usually, we think, finally, (laughs) I'm getting it right. I'm having a real experience. And then we throw in some uh, arrogant thoughts about how wonderful we are. (laughs) (laughs) But to allow it in moments, in glimpses, You know, in terms of investigation, you know, we, we can say investigate, notice, contact, or acknowledge, maybe better. When the mind is busier, as I said yesterday, when the mind is busier, let the busyness shift over to acknowledging what's already happening. Even if it's a a full-blown concept. Oh, I'm thinking about that event that really upset me and I'm constructing um, opinions and emotions are coming. Okay. Can you shift into contacting and experiencing? And then sometimes when the mind is quieter and less complicated, just notice and experience. The sense of quiet in the room when the heater turns off. How when a noise happens in the spaciousness of silence. It's just its own event traveling through you. Or that what you're seeing isn't two-dimensional, it's actually three-dimensional. that seeing, the very act of seeing, has its own um, 
effect on consciousness. And sometimes the mind is steady enough that we notice there's awareness. And we can be aware of the awareness. We can notice that what's happening is seeing. And when we can introduce, when we can invite these moments, the investigation is a more subtle kind. We're investigating the nature of consciousness. It's in a way underneath, which is in a way the foundation of the karmic constructs of personality. And then, as the constructs take shape, come back in, we can notice what makes me talk that way. How is it when um, the mind leaps into judgment? How is it when the mind gets caught up on planning a future event? And we can invite a spaciousness around the process of thinking. And what we're doing is we're shifting from and thinking about reality. And in reality, there's something over there at that time to respond to, to react to. And as we invite that spaciousness, the thought's happening here. No, right now, there is a thought about that. Each moment creates its own version, or can create, sometimes it just doesn't, its own version of past and future its own version of here and there. And so the investigation, the inquiry, 
the attentiveness to what's going on, it's like it's blossoming. So it's not unusual. It's a dangerous business to start predicting what's going to happen in Chishim. But here I go. I think we all get ourselves into trouble, one way or another. And then finding your way out of it, uh, which hopefully is still possible, teaches us something. As we settle into Shishin, it's not unusual that this kind of purposeful engagement becomes possible. No? The capacity to notice in this way. Is that so? Yeah, that is so. When that thought arises for me and that thought develops into a concept and that concept declares a version of reality, I am inclined towards this emotion. That's how it is for me. But in the spaciousness, that's neither right nor wrong, nor good nor bad. It's just what is happening. And we're learning deeply to trust being ourselves. We're learning what it is to be the Tathagata, the one who is just what they are. And can we weave it into um, how we relate to the body? how we relate to the breath. You know, each day I say to you, and I'll say it again today, uh, don't try to escape the discomfort and don't make it the whole story. If you need to move, move. Can you gauge, you know, this amount of discomfort is actually helping me stay present. In contrast to this amount of discomfort is leaving me flailing around, uh, struggling.
And what I would add to that is, when you move, move about three times slower than you were inclined to do. Relate to moving like, okay, now I'm in the real practice, which is moving. That's sitting still, that's the preliminary practice. The real practice is moving. Allowing each experience to be itself. The whole way from the discomfort in your knee to the complex patterns of your personality to the workings of your mind. sense of what is. Maybe in the process of noticing and acknowledging, the acknowledging can start with, okay, okay, I hate being here, I think it was a terrible mistake coming. Okay, I'm going to make up a good reason for leaving. (laughs) It's not for nothing we have the teaching of dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, discomfort. Most of you have heard, but maybe you haven't. The bud stands for all things. The bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower. For everything flowers from within of self-blessing. Though sometimes it's necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow, uh, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and touch. It is lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. Maybe we can say it this way. The points of light, the points of awareness, all be they fleeting and happening in the middle of a dark storm, still 
the very nature of consciousness is that it returns to awareness. And in that moment, savor. Such is the nature of our consciousness, we're much more inclined to what's, to emphasize what's going wrong. If you want to play a strange game with yourself, instead of directing all your attention to the knee that hurts, direct your attention to the knee that doesn't hurt. Or some point in your back, or your hip, or your neck, or your shoulders. Just watch. The inclination is, if it hurts, it deserves all the attention you've got. Who says? No. There was a teacher at San Francisco Zen Center, Darlene Cohen, whose picture is out there. And Darlene was stricken when she was about 40. She was stricken with a very severe kind of arthritis. And what it meant was, well, one of the things it meant was that when she woke up in the morning, she literally couldn't move. And she had to kind of like slowly start to bring movement and loosen up her joints. Uh, so as you can imagine, when she tried to sit still, it was extraordinarily challenging and extraordinarily painful. And, and so Darlene learned to search for the part of her body that wasn't painful and to bring awareness to that. And she found that in doing that, she could start to establish a stability of consciousness and then allow that to kind of release her distress. Discomfort is not our enemy, but it's not our best friend either. In the suttas it talks about practice is medicine, and how practice is engaged skillfully is like being the wise physician. That what is the medicine of this moment and what is the dosage? No. Being skillful about how you relate to what's going on for you. It's an investigation. It's an inquiry. And don't expect to come up with the right answer immediately. 
maybe it's better to expect to come up with the wrong answer immediately. <laughs> Good. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> And of course, we could say, well, it didn't work in the context you were thinking of, uh, but investigation, investigation into the moments of ease, the moments of spaciousness, investigation into the moments of mind taking charge and conjuring up its magic. Investigation into how attention relates to discomfort in the body. Investigation into the breath. Where exactly in the body is the breath experienced? And that breath, is it allowed to enter fully, or is there some contraction in the body that's inhibiting it? And not to imply that's bad, that's wrong. It is how it is. It is how it is. All of it. When we touch the heart of it is how it is, the marvelous realization, joy and ease. Can we be precocious and leap over over all the other stuff to the joy and ease? Well, no. <laughs> Can we hold it all with the spaciousness that joy and ease invite? Yeah, we can. It's called the path of liberation. It's called Jakudo Yujinshu, studying the way with body and mind. It's called what Galway Canal calls teaching each thing its loveliness. It's called what Shinkichi Takahashi is referring to when he says, I don't merely listen to what you say, far from it. I listen to what makes you say it. It's called, this very mind is Buddha. It's called, ordinary mind is the way. Dogen's fascicle. He goes on and he says, it's called 
the eternal mind of all the Buddhas. It's called the triple treasure mind. The Trikaya. And they're all just notions. They're all just uh, invitations. The amazing thing is that there's some capacity within each of us to explore, discover, engage, and be immersed in what all the teachings are trying to get at. Something in us knows that. That's why we're here. Something in us is attracted to that. And part of the challenge for us is to have a deep, deep patience for all the ways we rattle around in our own stuff. A deep, deep patience for it. That's what we do. We rattle around in our own stuff. We should be patient in a shameless way. As you watch your mind rave around in its own nonsense, Oh, is that so? <laughs> because that very same mind has its own genius. That very same consciousness is attracted to the Dharma, is attracted to awakening. That very same consciousness is attracted to eliminating the nature of what is. And these two aspects of mind are interwoven. They're not miles apart, they're interwoven. We return to awareness organically. And then we keep steady Investigation, investigation. Hmm. And the body, and the breath, and the state of mind, and the constructs of mind become more evident. In the path of liberation, 
starts to become more evident. And unfortunately, we can't rush it. We can't uh, decide, I am just going to jump over all that stuff and go to the good stuff. I'm going to stop my mind from all its shenanigans and just be enlightened. The path of enlightened enlightenment is illuminated by the workings of your karmic mind. As those workings are seen for what they are. Ah. Suffering, the cause of suffering, the path beyond suffering. fourth day of Shishin. Despite the difficulties, the struggling that we've gone through, here we are. In space, moments, feelings starting to open up. You can try that one out for for fun. Be aware you're aware. Outside, savor. Being able to walk. Darlene became a great teacher. She developed all sorts of little subtle things to do when your body's racked with pain. It was a great inspiration for many people who had very serious afflictions to work with. In her own serious illness, uh, caused her to die rather young.
You gotta lead you. Galway Canal. One more time. St. Francis in the South. The bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower, for everything flowers from within, of self-blessing. Though sometimes it's necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely until it flowers again from within, of self-blessing, as St. Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow and told her, in words and in touch, blessings of earth on the sow. And the sow began remembering all down her thick length, from the earth and snout all the way through the fodder and the slops to the spiritual curl of her tail from the hard spininess spiked out from the spine down through the great broken heart to the sheer blue milk and dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the fourteen teats into the mouths of the fourteen sucking and blowing beneath them. The long, perfect loveliness of the sound. you enjoy join with the joy in this day